give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We were trying to uh, get through uh, the last part of the lesson about looking at God's mercy. And specifically, we were on page three. Um, And I wanted to start in the middle of the page uh, where we were kind of left off and just make sure it's going to carry us over into our next lesson because we're going to talk about this whole thing about grace and mercy and also to flip it into lesson nine as well, too. One of the things that is important for us to understand and recognize is that, you know, God allows things to happen in our lives to, uh, frankly, sometimes to teach us. Uh, the things that we don't like or the pain that we experience, those are what the Lord has used in many cases as teachable moments. And we don't necessarily like the fact that they're teachable moments, but we do understand that those, there are some things that we learn from those experiences. My wife and I were having a conversation about the past several years um, where we've had to kind of go back and forth and deal with issues regarding her father, my mother, um, and the things related to that. And all of those things, upon reflection, we've learned a great deal um, about those experiences. And, And in turn, we've learned about each other because we know that the Lord is teaching us in ways that we don't always realize. And one of the things that we've learned and understand, too, is that it's a really good idea for you or anybody else to have a plan about what happens to you when you are no longer here. You know, who's going to take care of who? What's going to be taken care of as far as that's concerned? Those are things you learn through those processes. You learn those very things. But without dwelling on that too much, we understand that we learn from pain and experiences. Your pain is what God uses to expose the reality that you've been granted and sustained by mercy all along. We are experiencing mercy because he sustains us. He keeps us all the way through. If the classroom of suffering makes us better understanding mercy, then I am a grateful student. Even the opportunity to be touched by my frailty and blindness, referring to the author Jennifer Rothschild, is really a direct result of the mercy of God. My friend, if what we really deserve is hell, then anything else God gives us or spares us from on this side of eternity is a privilege. Even suffering. Now, I don't want to minimize this too much, but Jennifer Rothschild, if if you were to read ahead and look into her lesson, which I have done, this blindness thing she does not like at all. She doesn't understand it completely. She doesn't like it, but she recognizes that it is part of what she has to experience. But she doesn't like it. And there are things that you experience that you certainly don't like either. I mean, no one wants to walk around, for example, with arthritis in their back. No one wants to have hips that don't move the way they used to. Um, Those are things that we all have to deal with. But if death is the alternative, then we need to make the most of what we have today. And I think that's where we have to look at this and look at this with practicality. We know what the alternatives are. We know what we could be facing. And yet God has been merciful to be able to allow us to see his view of things through your suffering. 
you and God deal with this together. How do you relate to his mercy as it relates to your suffering? Now, it says on the handout, write out your thoughts, concerns, and questions here, then ask God to comfort you and clarify this for you. So the question, though, is how do you relate to God's mercy in relation to your suffering? One thing that you probably, you know, from even from a world, worldly viewpoint, there's this whole thing going on today about wellness and health. And this, this has been ongoing. It's just really gotten taken up a lot of steam in most recent years where there's this huge conscious effort. You just turn on the television and you see all this effort about um, Nordic Track and these different Peloton, all these different things you can use to exercise with and work out and do so, and do so on your own, but it's specifically for the sake of being healthy and well. And we know from our experience in going to uh, places like Dreyer Physical Therapy, where there are people who work out just to stay loose, because if they didn't work out, they would just be frozen solid, frankly. They wouldn't be able to move, right. So we understand that there's a need for us, but in the midst of all that, there's going to be suffering, There's pain. There's discomfort. So what do you do with that pain and discomfort? Well, you really don't have a choice other than just to keep moving and deal with that. Now, what God wants you to do in the midst of all that, though, is to see something more in all of that, too. You're still here. You're still going through stuff. You're still a child of God. You're still interacting with other people in the midst of this suffering, even if it's at the physical therapy place. So what should you be doing? Being thankful that God has given you the ability to do what you're doing, even if you're suffering right now, and minister to other people and encourage them as well. That's where you are in your life. That's what it's all about. Because we know that we're not going to be going through life with pain-free experiences. Amen? That's just not logical we're not created to just go through pain-free experiences if god is teaching us through this pain and discomfort he is reflecting upon us grace and mercy so that's something we have to kind of wrestle with a little bit kind of grasp more and more we don't always like it we don't always understand it but yet He is merciful in the midst of it all. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and rich in faithful love. How many believe that? That's from Psalm 103.8. He is compassionate and gracious. He is definitely slow to anger. Amen? We already know that. We know that he's slow to anger because there are a lot of things that we've done. You know, in some cases, you know, we won't mention any names because there's no need to do that. You know who you are personally. But what? Part, <laughs> but Aaron's sons got what they deserved because their hearts were not for the Lord. I always pray that you will always maintain a heart for the Lord and seek after him for whatever you're doing. Whether you're still pastoring or whether you're not pastoring. You're still going to seek after the Lord. That's what it comes down to. That's what's very important for us to all take away from here. Any questions or comments? 
If not, we will go into lesson number nine. Uh, Mrs. Gaines, the lovely that Mrs. Gaines handed out, uh, yes, hello, um, handed out a, uh, lesson number nine for you to take a look at. And we are going to get started with that. And it's a very interesting discussion. It has to do with justice delayed or justice denied. Justice delayed or justice denied. This is, we're speaking about God's justice. This is the thing we have to take a look at. So starting at the top of the handout, page one, lesson nine, it is a three-page lesson, um, just so you're aware of that. It says, I don't know about you, but listening to the news really challenges me to ask the questions, God, do you really care? And God, is this really fair? It just seems that when the innocent suffer, horrible accidents occur, or terror prevails, a just God simply can't be superintending all this chaos. Now let's look at this. There, the world is, if you look at the news today on television, which I will just tell you right now, I really don't look at the news. Other than the local news, I really don't look at any other news programs. Because if you look at every other news program, especially the way news is done, in the old days, everybody remember the Huntley-Brinkley report? Everybody remember the Walter Cronkite? You know, they had a half hour of news at 6.30 after the local news. That's how it used to be done. So you would get just your news in 30 minutes. And then they came up with this invention called headline news. Headline news was 24-hour news. Right? It just kept going and going and going. And that was the only channel at the time that had 24-hour news. Now we've got multiple 24-hour news channels. Now think of that. We went from Huntley Brinkley Report to the CBS News with Eric Severide. Some of you guys actually might remember these names. Uh, <laughs> it's like, how old am I? Um, to Walter Cronkite. And... The thing that we understand, though, is that the news was compressed, but now you're being exposed to it pretty much as soon as you turn TV on, it's on all day long. When you wake up with it, you go to bed with it. I will not watch all that. It's too much. It's just too much. Because all you're going to see are sensationalized reporting based upon what's happening throughout the world. And look what it says in the, about the innocent suffering Horrible accidents. What do, what do you see on the news? What sells news? Accidents, you know, cars getting hit, bombs going off, fires, shootings. That's constant. Can you watch that, honestly, all day long without feeling like where is the world going other than right into we're circling the drain all the time? You can't watch it. That's why what? That's why they throw in the animal stories in the news, yes, in between all that to try to soften the blow. That's right. But it really doesn't work. You're right. So if you watch that stuff all the time, now you do what you want to do. I'm not watching it. Because I can get my news other ways if I want to get news. There's other ways to get your news rather than watching sensationalized stuff 24 hours a day. You do what you want. But I'm not watching it because... Just like I'm, I'm, a, I'm developing my wife's theory, I will not watch bloody, gory stuff and have that in my head so that when I go to bed at night, I'll have nightmares. 
Uh, that was my that was Mrs. Gaines's philosophy when it came to horror movies. I mean, she went she saw horror movies when she was younger. But after a while, you have to look at that stuff and say, oh, I can't watch this stuff because they go over the top. My daughter used to love going to horror movies as well, too. She stopped as well, probably for the same reason. It's just too much. You can't take all of that. It's too much for you to deal with. So we need to understand that God is still in control, but we need to also keep in mind and keep a perspective on what's really going on. A lot of this stuff is being allowed to happen to show you the world that we do live in. And if it sparks compassion on your part to help a brother or sister in need, praise the Lord. That's what we want to see. But can God really be just? Is he allowing these things to happen? And we're talking about crimes against humanity, too, in many cases. Amen? Well, it's been going on ever since. Ever since, yes. It's just now reported now a little bit more. Can God really be just? What kind of things in our world make you question God's justice? That's the first question in bold up at the top. Are there things that happening, are happening in this world today that make you question God's justice? Now understand something. There's nothing wrong with asking a question. In order for you to deal with what you're really experiencing or how you really feel about things, you should be asking questions to try to sort through What's happening? You should be asking questions. In other words, you, it's not like, Lord, why are you letting this happen? I mean, there's a way you would do it. There's an approach how you do it. But if you're really trying to resolve these issues, remember, the God, God is trying to teach you through all of this. You're being taught something. So are any things in our world that make you question God's justice? I actually have an answer for that. I have a question for that. There is a huge uptick in at least discussion about child endangering, pedophilia. There's a huge uptick of this discussion right now. A lot of this stuff is being exposed and being brought, you know, when the darkness comes to light. This is this thing that we're seeing and experiencing right now. But imagine all of the kids who have been victimized through all of this. Children are innocent. Children are innocent, and yet we have people who have made it their goal to go after these kids for their own selfishness. So when I ask a question like that, it's like, is there really justice taking place? And that's a question that I can't answer it. But yet we know that it's happening, but we also know now it's being exposed and we also know that there are a lot of people who are going to be in a lot of trouble. Did you? Yes, yes. And that one guy, that one, it was the uh, De Jesus dad, never thought that her his daughter was dead. Always believed that he was relying upon Jesus himself to help convince him and keep him with the hope that his daughter would... Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, he was. Yeah. No. Nope. That's right. And the darkness of that man that perpetrated that crime exposed him to be a fraud because of his whole saying that he was, you know, doing things for the Lord and stuff like that. He was exposed for who he was. Yeah, did a concert. Yeah, did a concert to raise money to help find those girls. That's, that's exactly right. So these are things we need to understand that this darkness is being exposed. But how, are, how is this justice being portrayed? Yes, go ahead. Absolutely. The thing we need to understand is that God truly is in control, which is what we said from the beginning, right? We have to keep reminding ourselves of this. The 10-year example, like you mentioned. Now, yet, when you're going through through those 10 years, the girls and, and the parents involved, too, can you imagine? That's right. We're not patient. We have to train ourselves. We've got to train ourselves to be patient. You have to learn patience. Patience is not something that comes just out of the blue. Now, see, now you're saying it for a different reason. <laughs> I can, I can see, I can see where this is going when we have our seminar in April. There is a rumble, yes. Um, so, those are very good. Hopefully, those are examples that make you think. Okay. So, for ages, even God's most trusting children have wondered if God could be just. Now, that's what we need to also see too. The people that we read about in Scripture are saying the same thing. They're asking the same questions. So this is not something that has anything to do with just us. It's even written about in Scripture. So look at what David says in Psalm 82. Turn to Psalm 82. Psalm 82, verse 2. David says, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Because clearly, there is an issue where we have a perception. First, the mistake that we make sometimes is looking at other people's lives. Amen? Amen? That's the first mistake we make, looking at what they're doing as opposed to what you're doing. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is when we carry that even further and say that this person's living so good, I know they're doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, but look at what they're doing. (laughs) 
So we need to take a fleshly response out. That's kind of what Ronnie was saying. Take a fleshly response out because you're looking at appearances and you're not really looking at the fact that God is really in control. Because that's what this is that we're talking about. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Now, was David's response fleshly? Maybe not. Maybe. But ultimately, he was making a conclusion that these people who were getting away with stuff were not being judged. When it comes back to this patience thing, if God is in control and God is the ultimate judge, he's going to take care of business. We always are worried about sometimes somebody getting away with murder. You know as well as I do, nobody gets away with murder. Even if they don't get charged while they're here, do you think that's going to skate when they leave here? Of course not. But no, we have to see justice right now. It's not our place. What did Habakkuk ask in Habakkuk 1.13? After learning how to pronounce and say Habakkuk from previous episodes in Scripture. Look at what Habakkuk says. What did he ask in Habakkuk 1.13? Everybody know where to find that? For, you, for those of you who have electronic devices, you can just t- touch the H-A-B and you're there. It says in verse 13, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. True. That's a true statement about what the Lord, who, who the Lord is, who God is. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? These are honest questions. That's an honest question. We've even seen it in our own lives. Amen? We've seen these things happen in our own lives in different ways, in different degrees. Both men of faith asked God how long he would show partiality to the wicked and allow the wicked to remain and prevail over the righteous. They both echo our confusion as we worship a just God but still see apparent injustice remain. Now, as a logical believer, we know that there is going to be a great white throne judgment. Amen? We also know that there's going to be a judgment based upon what we as believers experience with the Bema Seat judgment. We know that that's going to be, there's going to be a review and there's going to be those things that are going to be brought before you and you'll have total recall because it's going to be given to you of what your life was like and what it represents. But we are stuck in our flesh when it comes to how we see things here. Because we forget about all that other stuff We think about the here and now. So we have to always go back and remember, no one, you, me, or anybody else is going to get away with anything. Amen? I don't know if that's good or bad. (laughs) The way some of you responded, yes. 
That's right. It's the world that we live in, isn't it? That's who we are. So we need to understand that there is injustice. It does remain. It is allowed. It's allowed to happen. Do you think that God, could he not, if he wanted to, wipe out injustice altogether? He could absolutely do it. When Jesus said, do you think I could not, would I not be able to call on ten legions of angels to stop what was happening when it came to his being crucified, that he could not do it? Of course he could. He has the power to do so, but God also has the power of restraint. The power of restraint is huge. Go back to the previous lesson. What did we talk about? His grace and mercy. His grace and mercy. Even those people who perpetrate evil, he's still trying to reach them. There's restraint. Yes. Correct. Okay. Of course. Man has taken on, in many cases, the right to be their own God. That's what you're seeing. It's their own approach to how they would see things done. I mean, that's, but that's been going on ever since when? Just go back. This is nothing new. You're seeing, you're, all you're seeing are regurgitations of the same thing throughout history over and over again. You're just seeing the same stuff. It just comes through in different packages now. But it still comes back to the fall of man, fleshly behavior, Elevating himself to be God. That's, that's Satan. That's Satan right there. He thought he was like God. Therefore, he was going to do what he saw fit to rebel against God. And took some angels with him. You're seeing nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. And we're talking about this. That's exactly what this is all about. So we're keeping it all in perspective is what's very important for us to start even answering these questions personally. God, why are you allowing this injustice? It goes back to his grace and mercy. That's why you're seeing this like this. Yes, I'm sorry, Arel. That's right. Oh, yes, that's an, that's an ongoing process. We're seeing that all over again, aren't we? That's right. Yeah. That's right. When we think we're in the end times, you see things now that really perpetuate that way of thinking. We're in the end times. You're seeing this happen. And this stuff was happening when you guys were kids. This was starting to really manifest itself more and more. Yes. Yeah. 
Give us a king. Yep. Give him a king. That's exactly right. Did you? I didn't. Right. We're number four. Yeah. That's right. Very good. That's very true. I don't know about you, but I I don't I like the idea of having free will. Because that makes you more of a person. If you really think about that. If you didn't have free will, who would you, what would you be? Absolutely. Yeah, we have free will, but we have to have wisdom, absolutely. But I'm saying it starts with having the free will. There has to be a free will for you to be able to make judgments and decisions and, frankly, be a true servant of Jesus Christ. You have to make a decision to do that very thing. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want you to be a robot. Okay. Jesus illustrated what injustice looked and felt like as he told the parable of an unjust judge. Let's have fun with this and go to Luke 18. I don't know about fun, but let's take a <laughs> let's take a look at Luke 18. <laughs> we spent some time in this particular passage because some of you are very familiar with Let's start verse 1. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. Look at the, look at the premise of this parable. This, even though this, this, this verse was, was omitted initially, look at the premise of the parable. What does it say? Pray always and not give up. That's the premise of this because... This is the very nature of the world we live in. When we see injustice, we are to be praying as a people. Certainly, if there's injustice taking place against you, what should you be doing? Praying about it and seeking the Lord for compassion and mercy and grace and all those things that come in that nice little package of God's presence in your life. And not only praying always, but never giving up. That is a lesson that you learn. When your back is against the wall, you don't give up. 
never give up. When you give up, that means that you're relenting to whatever happens. And that's something that you really shouldn't be doing. Go ahead. No, you're right.
Sure. And so from then on, <coughs> once it's kind of the women were bolder, you know, we had some real conversations, mm-hmm. and it was, I believe that God was calling me to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with Ronnie that as Christians, we, we can win sometimes on all kinds of weird, there's so much stuff. It's a, it's a worldly response that people yeah. chime in on. I agree with that. Well, first of all, just so you know, this class, we've been, and as well as Pastor Gus, our goal is to teach. We, we bring what God brings to us to give to you. Plain and simple. And that's what it's all about. So if you're able to use this, and you should be able to use it outside of here. That's something that I, I let glammed, glammed on to. This is not about being a Christian in these four walls on Sunday morning up until 1230 or whatever it is and going out and acting a fool you know, the rest of the week and pretending to be somebody different. It's all about taking what you learn here and using it elsewhere. That's the whole point. So now you're using it now in a world where people are going to have worldly responses and people are going to say things, and you should be able to now respond in kind about what God's Word says about those things. That's exactly why we're looking at what David said, looking at what Habakkuk was saying, and the responses that come from that. And now this parable, which we didn't start reading, and we've got... No time left? Was that the second bell? That was the first bell. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll start reading the first section here, and we'll pick up next week. Luke 18, verse 2. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people. This is a parable. It says the same thing in verse 2. Even though I don't fear God or respect people, guess what? There's a lot of folks out there like this. He's only repeating out loud what other people really feel. Every judge you don't go before is is a God-fearing judge. They're supposed to act according to the law. And that's what keeps things in control. Otherwise, you would have chaos. Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Now, you imagine you're the widow in this story. What's the premise of this parable? We're only we're just starting this. We'll have to pick it up next week. But what's the premise of this parable? Pray always and never give up. Guess what? That's life. When you see things that are going on that just don't make sense, when you see a life as it's being presented to you right now, you're looking out there, you're seeing what media is throwing at you, which turn your TV off. Okay, that's, that's just Mel Gaines talking. 
But you see all this stuff happening. I'm telling you right now, what you're seeing isn't always going to give you a clear picture. But in the meantime, pray always and never give up. That's a great ending point for this particular lesson. But imagine you're the widow in this parable. You keep going back to this judge and back to this judge and back. He's the only one that can give her relief from her situation. She's going back to that place that she has to go. Pardon me? Well, his reputation was on <laughs> Yeah, his reputation's on the line. But here's the thing. We need to understand something. Who do we always have to go back to when it comes to answering our questions about what's going on? Jesus. You've got to go back to him. Who are you going to go to? And even though you don't have your answer right now, it doesn't mean that it's not coming. Remember that patience word? <laughs> I, looked at, I just looked at Dot and her eyes just went like this. I mean, it was one of those expressions that, you know, but that's the whole thing. We are learning, aren't we? We are learning about patience, and we're being taught things that we just don't have any idea. We don't know. But God is teaching us all through this. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to really get into this lesson about patience and how we are to just be prayerful and not give up in spite of all the things that we're seeing, in spite of all the injustices that are taking place. Lord, we know that you truly are in control. Help us through this process. Help us in that we can apply this for our daily living and our interaction and discipleship with other people who have these very questions as well too. Lord, teach us. Give us what we need to be able to speak to others. Give us the boldness to speak as well, too, through the power of the Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for the great results that take place. And most of all, we thank you for what you're teaching us as well, too. Lord, use us. We give you thanks and praise. And we ask now that you give uh, the, the speaker the power to speak through the Spirit, what needs to be said for the upcoming message. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.